You are listening to Chaos on the Set, a chaotic TV and film review podcast. Your usual crew is back with you here today. I'm Shruti. I'm Mike. I'm Kate. And we are gearing up for Barbenheimer Weekend. This podcast will come out the first day of Barbenheimer Weekend. If you're unaware, Barbenheimer is the uh, event of the year, the movie event of the year, where both Greta Gerwig's Barbie and Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer will be premiering this weekend. Um, it's very exciting. The double featuring last podcast we covered Inception in order to honor the Inheimer of the Barbenheimer. And today we are covering the Truman Show in order to honor the Barb of the Barbenheimer. Um, However, before we cover the Truman Show, uh, I wanted to hit really quick on a movie that we were planning on covering, uh, but ended up, you know, wanting to focus on the Barbenheimer of it all, which is Joyride. Joyride uh, is a movie that came out last weekend, or I guess maybe two weekends ago at the time you were listening to this, but it is a very fun, raunchy, R-rated comedy about the female friendship between two girls. I laughed so much during it. I cried so much during it. Kate and I went to go see it last Friday, and we really, really loved it. Kate, what did you think? I saw it at the Grove AMC, because I live in Los Angeles now. Um... (laughs) Yeah, I really liked it, and Truthy just told me it's not doing well at the box office, which makes me really sad, so everyone should go see it if you want a fun time, and also if you want to cry a lot. <laughs> Mike, is Jorad on your radar at all? Are you going to go see it? No, probably not. Mike! Mike, 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 go see it, because they make a ton of BTS references in it. Do they really? No, yeah. I will say, it, it, it looked good, and um, Did you a see lot No of- Hard Feelings? I did. Okay, if you don't go see Joyride, I'm calling racism. Wow. Okay. Um, I, they're both R-rated raunchy comedies, and Joyride yeah. is better than No Hard Feelings. Yeah, okay. Michael, you saw the white one, it's not a the lot Asian of, one. There's a lot of accusations going on right now. <laughs> uh, no, No Hard Feelings, I went to see um, because a friend wanted to go see it. Honestly, if I, I w- it's not a film I would go to alone. Like. I, I True. Just I also went to No Hard Feelings because a friend wanted to see it. Yeah, I just I went wouldn't to be. I wanted to. <laughs> yeah, like I'm not. I'm not interested enough to like go see that film just on my own. Um, and from what I can tell, Joyride uh, looks looks very good. The opinions in the film industry that I respect, including both of yours, uh, <laughs> have said that it is good. So it's definitely something I would be interested in seeing, and I probably will go see it um when it makes its way to streaming i'll watch it at home yeah i'm look i'm going to cape cod next week and in before i leave for cape cod i need south yarmouth oh you're going you're staying kind of okay you're not a true cape codder because you know you gotta go up to provincetown you know true oh i gotta get all the oh i gotta go all the way down yeah 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 yeah. my uncle lives in provincetown i will we'll probably go but I, yeah, we used to live in Truro. Well, I, my grandparents did. Oh really? Anyway, yeah. Sorry. Off topic. Great, great vineyard in Truro. <laughs> yes, uh, there is. But regardless, um, look, I have a week, and I need to see Oppenheimer, and then Barbie. I'm and... assuming you already have those plans made, though, right? Yes. Okay. But. So let's figure it out right now. Which day are you free? <laughs> I'm I'm not. I'm playing tennis tomorrow. I have golf league on Tuesday, and I go to trivia on Wednesday. And then Wait, I have I'm sorry. Oppenheim- so you not play tennis or golf when you go to Cape Cod? I'm in you, a league. You can. I'm in a league. It's scheduled. I can't miss it. I'm in a league. What okay. don't you get about it's league? It's less than two hours. Can you take two hours off of work? No. Can you go tonight? No. <laughs> Look, right, this is not I'm not going to see it. I'm not going to see <laughs> you it. You have to go to see it, Mike. It's so good. Okay, listener, if you went to see it, I'll give you Mike's Twitter. You can tweet it <laughs> to go see it and how much you love Joe Red. Look, I should be giving you a hard time about you not seeing Oppenheimer on opening night. That's a way bigger deal. So It's my sister's birthday. And she should go see Oppenheimer. <laughs> So how do you guys like the Truman Show? Wow. The Truman Show was great. Um, <laughs> it, it was. And I actually thought, like, I was a little worried going into the Truman Show because a lot of times these sort of, I guess, really, really wacky kind of premises, right? It's I, I didn't want to say mind-bending because when I say mind-bending, I, I think of more like inception which we just covered and like that's right up my alley is like mind-bending but sometimes like the wacky existential kind of films uh particularly 
um, you know, like Charlie Kaufman films come to mind. I think Truman Show is is Charlie Kaufman esque, whether it's a film like Being John Malkovich, um, or or Eternal Sunshine, which we we previously have covered as well. Um, those types of films, the existential ones, can sometimes be very hit or miss for me. And you know, I was well aware of how popular truman show is i mean a lot of times you will hear this film being mentioned in you know people's like top five films ever um uh the the letterbox rating is extremely high so i almost feared watching it because i was like you know this might be a bit of a of a letdown wait for mike me. it was your first time watching it, it too yeah i didn't realize that sorry yeah <laughs> yes it was um and i was and i was very happy and um thought it was thought it was great and yeah i'm just using adjectives at this point but pleasantly surprised yeah i would say as somebody who also hadn't seen the truman show it's not just like how much people love it but how much people use it to reference the plot of other movies like Mm -hmm. don't worry darling it's a truman show-esque thing you know what i mean anytime you have some kind of simulation the things that people say is truman show and so i was kind of like if everyone it's, else it's Groundhog Day esque in that way. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I was almost worried, like the same way I was worried about Groundhog Day, is that I would be bored seeing the template. But I wasn't at all. I was genuinely hooked. It was very good at being both amusing and disturbing and funny and intriguing. And you can really, really tell, and we'll get more into it later uh, in the podcast, how much they, how much thought they put into building this world for Truman of what is it, Sea Haven. Um, mm-hmm. Both the director and the writer of the movie basically went back and forth creating their own long, I think they're each of them have 12-page documents about like different little things about like how when they first created the world, um, you know, how who invested in it and what kind of cameras did they use when Truman was a baby in his crib, like such intricate details um, that I really loved and I, and I could see it in the movie even when they didn't actually detail those for you and spell out how they did it in the movie. Yeah, I was surprised uh, by how much of an emotional core was behind the film as well, mm-hmm. just in terms of him as a person. And you really you really felt for him, and it, especially like towards the middle end, it's really tearing him apart and, and driving him crazy. You know, it sort of gets beyond um, just the, the fascination behind this uh, – you know, semi simulation and everything in the the moral and ethical boundaries that it presents, but it also you really feel for him as as a character, um, and you know to compare it to something more modern, but it, it almost reminds me of like a like a Black Mirror concept in a way. Well, with... it it the if you did you watch the new season of Black Mirror? Not in totality, no. I only saw a uh, the episodes. first episode though. Joan is awful. Season six, I want to say episode one. I don't think I saw that one. Um, that episode is literally making somebody's life into a TV show. So you mm. really feel that. I should go watch it then. I don't really uh, like it. Okay. <laughs> um, but regardless, um, it it to me it felt a little like a Black Mirror concept, but you know Black Mirror typically taking a much darker route, and this one definitely having a bit more i guess joy but also melancholy tones throughout so um yeah it was just a very it was a very interesting experience and a very interesting jim carrey performance as well but i've done a lot of talking kate have you seen the truman show before yeah i have because i'm not a simpleton (laughs) wow jesus she's also jim carrey's number one fan my mom my mom was born on the same exact day and year as jim carrey so they're twins basically jim carrey could have been kate's mom yeah oh but he was born first yeah no no born on the same exact i know but didn't they say it was like Whichever baby was was. Well, that's Truman Burbank. Banjo. She's talking about Jim Carrey. Talk well, I'm talking. Jim I'm Carrey. talking about. I'm talking about Truman Burbank, <laughs> and I'm gonna put it out there that he was born an hour before Kate's mom, and had the roles been reversed, it would have been the Kate's mom show. <laughs> the <laughs> show. Don't, don't dox my mom on the podcast. Okay, then you can edit her name out. The blank. The blank Wyant show. Okay. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> it's funny because like 
I would say my mom's name, but the second you said Kate's mom's name, I was like, Kate is not going to be okay with this. <laughs> um, anyway, Just Kate, put, a bl- you- put a beep over it. It'll be really funny. <laughs> um, yeah, I'd seen the movie before on cable. Haha, <laughs> because we had cable when I was a kid, and it was great. Um, Wait, was your first time watching the show on cable, like, just a part of it? or? Yeah, probably. Oh. Yeah. That's like watching the show in the show. Yeah, like, I don't. I can't remember a time that my parents were like, "We're gonna sit down and watch the Truman Show." Like, but I definitely had seen it like in its entirety before. Because when I was little, I think the most um, memorable scene for me was when he's sailing on the boat and he crashes into the wall that looks like the sky, and then like mm. the music just stops. That I always thought that was like really cool when I was little. Um, so yeah, I used to watch it with like my parents, and I really like it. I think it's my favorite Jim Carrey um, movie. Not the mask. And, no, the mask is creepy. What? <laughs> the mask is so weird. Joke. Um, obviously, well, I guess this is second to Eggman, obviously. And Eternal uh, Sunshine, <laughs> which we also covered. I on the keep podcast. forgetting that he's in Eternal Sunshine too. Oh my god! Both this movie and Eternal Sunshine proves that Jim Carrey loves to get heartbroken on a beach. <laughs> but um, yeah, I really like it, and I really like how the movie kind of. It is like a commentary on what it what actually is reality television because like what we have because what we have today like we have so much reality tv but it's not really reality tv because like all these people on these shows know that they are being filmed know that this is like a controlled environment so they're not really acting like acting like they actually would in real life because they know they're being filmed and i feel like this is the one instance of a movie where it's like no Truman is the real reality television star because he does not know that he's being filmed. So it's all off. But then you're like, is it really True. authentic? But it's, yeah, it's I an think interesting you could, conversation. I think you could argue, right, that it's a bit of a manufactured reality, right? When yeah. it's really all the people behind the cameras that are creating these these circumstances for him to unknowingly and unwittingly sort of fall into right and it's whether it's just all of the sort of background actors that are going around the block on a loop right Mm -hmm. every little occurrence in his day is is somewhat manufactured obviously there's a bit of ad-libbing with the characters having to play off of him but a lot of these scenarios even like a great example is when he's at his job Right, and they're like, "Oh, come on! You gotta make these calls. You gotta hit your quota by the end of the month." When you know there's someone on the other end of the line that is just like, <laughs> "Yes Acting, or no?" Like yeah. they're they're choosing whether or not they're they're buying the life insurance from them. Um, so it is it is a very interesting uh, argument to be had just within the actual um, lens of the film in the commentary it makes about. Uh, uh, reality TV, but also on on moral and ethical grounds as well. Did you know that the show Big Brother aired started Brother. started airing like a year after the Truman both Big show Brother came out. and Survivor? Um, yeah, shortly. My right two after. my two favorite reality TV shows. Wait, Big that's Big Brother is one of your favorites, really? I, I've been watching Big Brother religiously probably probably close to twenty years, at least fifteen. What? Oh yeah. Um, that's insane. Have never missed a summer of Big Brother. Oh yeah, so I I found a quote from like the director of the Truman Show, and he was saying how the creator of Big Brother, like he was in the planning stages of Big Brother when the film came out, and apparently he said to the director, like, oh, when I saw Truman, I thought we better get a move on, and I was like, oh my god, that's like so bad, because like the whole point of the film is to like caution against that kind of programming, and then the Big Brother creator was like bet (laughs) well i just want to say we didn't have a version of this which is 24 7 and live but we did have a version of the truman show come out this past year called jury duty Duty. (laughs) shout out to our friend megan (laughs) but like again it's funny when you look at both jury duty and truman show is that they obviously truman show is fake but both of them have this like i don't know how old ronald is but this like adult-ish white man who's just like a decent person who like treats people with respect who is like treats folks with kindness and people like watching that because they like seeing somebody in a reality who's just 
a nice, decent person. You know what I mean? Yeah, mm-hmm. I think the thing with Ronald, though, on jury duty is that he thought he was doing a documentary about being in a jury. That's true. So there were, like, interviews and cameras, and he did know that he was being filmed. It's just that there were a lot of extra hidden cameras that he did not know about, and he didn't know, obviously, that the other jurors and every the whole case was like a lie and wasn't real and that the jurors were like acting but he still knew like he still had cameras pointed at him and i do think that will always influence a little bit how you act you Mm -hmm. know no definitely i also just wanted to mention since kate brought up the director peter weir like i was looking through his filmography and it's just like so fascinating how vastly different these films that he's made are yeah. His his top four, like most popular, Truman Show, Dead Poets Society, Picnic at Hanging Rock, which is like a horror kind of drama film, and then Master and Commander, like the fucking like French-British like naval war film. Like talk about a true renaissance man. I'm also curious about what the movie's commentary is about people who are watching, you know, from behind the camera. There's this article in The Atlantic talking about how, um, you know, the viewers in The Truman Show, the people who are watching The Truman Show are the real true men because, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I never got that. Sorry, keep going. (laughs) Wow, Kate, you watched the movie all these years ago and you never really. This is true man. Okay, I'm sorry. Um, But yeah, like, despite all of the things that they, I mean, they give this kid a literal traumatic at-sea event to make him petrified of ever stepping over water and all of these things, and people will still just eat it up. And, like, the complacency of the audience, but I also think it's so interesting, the world they've built around him, where, like, there are those people wearing shirts that say, like, love him, protect him. Like, they are so invested in this, like, fictional character that is real um and think they're i guess protecting him but are they really (laughs) yeah i mean the the part of it that i really found to be most interesting regarding the at-home audience was how I i think you can make an argument that to a certain extent it's almost like they've had the wool pulled over their eyes more than perhaps even Truman himself right because Truman is you know unknowingly sort of living this false reality whereas the at-home audience has almost fallen into into a complete trance over him and it's like their lives now are it seemingly fully consumed by his his own life right so they're not even living their own lives they're they're sort of living vicariously through him considering it's a 24 7 show every single day it's been running for over 10,000 days straight and i think it's fair to assume that most of these people have probably been tuned in every fucking day especially considering that like every time we go to the same characters they're in the same exact set up whether it's the two ladies on the couch the people at the bar the guy in the bathtub it's like they almost never leave this Mm -hmm. station just to be tuned in in on him and you also have to assume that at the end you know they're all cheering when when he he makes it out and you know what what's the sort of end result for the audience like where do they go from that after they've known this thing their entire lives um i did i did love just like the little the quick scene of the two cops where after it fades away and he's just like (laughs) okay should we change the channel the last Um, words of the movie are where's the tv guy (laughs) yeah yeah that was that was a great uh way to end it but I, i i the whole time i was thinking about the audience and sort of their their perception and how this this show has consumed their lives and I, I feel like there's a whole commentary to be made about that and how people have just 
totally become obsessive over reality TV, probably to an unhealthy amount in America. I mean, part of the document uh, that uh, the director and writer wrote about the rules of this world includes a fact about the one guy who's in his bathtub watching the Truman Show that when Truman finally leaves, he gets so excited and like the TV falls and hits him on the head in the bathtub and he dies. And, like, that's such a sad detail. But it really shows you the kind of commentary they're trying. Like, I don't think they it hits him on the head. And he dies. That's, yeah. I mean, just, I'm just looking at this from a logical perspective. The bath, the TV's at his feet. I would just, I would figure it would fall in and electrocute him to death. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's, I, to, to be honest, I did not sure. read this document myself. I listened to a podcast describing the document. Okay. So, uh, I, I couldn't say, find I mean, it myself, would be, but apparently would be you even, can buy it online. That'd be even better than hitting him on the head. I mean, what a way. To, the electrocution. Yeah, what a way to go. But it's such a, also I love, I think this movie has one of the most perfect endings in that you don't see what happens after Truman yeah. leaves. Like, now the show is over, and now that's not a part of your life. Does he get back together with that girl who's, like, running down the stairs to go meet him? Like, it doesn't matter. That's not That's not something we are privy to anymore because the show is over, and just ending it with where's the TV guide or like let's change the channel and find something else to entertain ourselves with. I thought Honestly, it was very... it's, it's probably like something he could never fully recover from just in terms oh, yeah. of like the, the, the shock of now entering. Just uh, Ronald from world. Jury Duty was saying after Jury Duty he was really struggling to know that he was in the real world and not think pe- cameras were around him all the time. He like said that he had to like text James Marsden and James Marsden had to be like nobody the show's over like you're not being filmed right now and that was just like what two weeks of his life imagine your entire life it's like that it's like that it's like that poor kid that Nathan Fielder definitely fucked up oh my god yeah if you watch the (laughs) rehearsal you know what Mike is talking about yikes um I was thinking about how like ending that kind of movie with like oh like what, what else is on just showing that like society goes through things so quickly like the like you know just love something so much in the moment and then once it's over or like it's like passing trends you know like yeah they watched this guy for 30 years of their lives and now they're like okay well time to find something new it, it kind of like i think um alludes to like us as a society like oh like you know news like like trending news we get over things so quickly like the submarine that sank like a month ago. It was all everyone talked about. Now you don't. Now nobody talks about it. Or like I was thinking, Wait, Mike, did you see Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part One? <laughs> oh, it was my my first thought was too soon. It's very too soon with some submarine stuff. Anyways, I was like, you know, then, part of part of me thinks. I hate to say it, you should you should probably cut this out, but was the submarine a marketing ploy for Mission Impossible? That's all I'm gonna say. But, but then I was also thinking of like. When it comes to like loving like a public figure so much, like when like, people like when the obsessing queen, over like, Taylor like, Swift. Well, no, like when the Queen died, and you had like a bunch of like people, like both like British people and people from around the world, being like, she was just the Queen for like so long, since like my entire life, and like even though the monarchy is a very problematic thing, just like how this show that Truman is trapped in is also a very problematic thing, you have these people who are still like. Well, no, you've been with me my whole life. You're like a comfort to me, you know? Mm-hmm. But then, like, now the queen's been dead for a while. No one really talks about her and goes, remember Queen Liz? It's like, no, she's dead. Liz. Like, no one's talking about her. Yeah. Sure, she loved me. <laughs> None of my timeline Liz. was sad about the queen dying, but I think Kate well, and I are on different internet. Well, like, yeah. So I just think it's it's an interesting commentary on, like, yes, people were obsessed with him and, like, lived through him. But the minute he was out of that dome, people were just like, okay time to move on and it's very easy for people to do that kind of like how this weekend some people are gonna go watch a three-hour movie and then say okay now time to go watch barbie (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's the plan um another sort of reality tv aspect that i was thinking of as this was going along right is that in the giant cast and crew right they're all essentially keeping Truman right in the dark in the shadows in unaware of what is going on around him but the entire time I'm just thinking I'm like what's what's the life of these people who are supporting cast and especially those closest to him um and the in the crew right like 
you could tell like this has wholly consumed Ed Harris's life as as the director of the show, or even um, and forgive me, I, I can't remember his name, but the the guy that plays Truman's best friend, Marlon. quote unquote Marlon, since he was seven years old. So, yeah, right? like, so sorry to this cut guy have that, bit... that's detailed in the document in those like documents okay. that the director and writer wrote back and forth to each other. I'm so happy I listened to this podcast. Um, let me actually let me find the name of the podcast because it's a podcast. None of my usual podcasts have covered the Truman Show. Get on it, y'all. Uh, so I found a new podcast. It's called They're Just Movies. These guys had great, really great insight. They talked all about this document, including uh, a detail that Mar- the actor for Marlon, Truman's best friend, is basically like the third richest actor in the world because of uh, his like, or sorry, he's one of the richest actors in the world. His he works so much. His candy bars that he stocks and he's like a sponsor for is like super successful. Also, so he makes all of these monies from like additional sponsorships. And they even put it in the show where in the in the show when Truman and and Marlon are talking about like his traveling that he did through all around the world. So like they built breaks in for him like that where they could like travel and take breaks and stuff like that. And apparently Truman's mom also had like eight debilitating illnesses throughout her life oh, okay. every time Truman wanted to leave because she would want he would like have to stay with his mom. I mean and essentially like that's what my thought was. I was like, do these people have to it's like essentially they're living side by side with him every day. If he's been if he's been a supporting cast since he was seven day and that was my first thought. I was like, do these people get a vacation? Do they go home to well, a family? I, I bet like I was thinking about like Mer- like in the case of Merrill who like Obviously, every night has to sleep in the same bed as Truman because they are married. And yeah. I was thinking about it, and I was like, I bet that her, like, daytime hours is when she's able to maybe, like, get out of the dome. Or if she's still in the dome, she at least gets to, like, go to, like, that crafty sort of, like, table or whatever. <laughs> or gets to just get away. Because, like, there was that scene where, well, it just seems like, you know, they obviously they monitor, monitor Truman's movements throughout the entire day. And it seems like... Before he starts questioning, he has a very strict routine. Like, he goes to work at the same time every day, stays until mm. the same time, then he goes home, they make dinner, they go to bed. So I assume, like, in the morning to, like, the late afternoon, I, Meryl's obviously not going to the hospital because it's clear because when he goes to the hospital himself for, like, the first time ever, they are scrambling to keep him back so that they can get her in position to show that she's helping mm. with a surgery, which was a very funny scene where the yeah. doctor was like, I will now make my first incision. Um, yeah. Oh, that was great. But but, yeah, but also I'm my sure, thought like, is right, they, I feel like the characters have to be somewhat nearby. So yeah, that that's they can true. Be called into action sort of on a whim. And also, you yeah. want, I mean, we want to talk about fucking ethically questionable, if not just downright wrong. Presumably it was written into her contract that like you have to get pregnant with truman yep yeah jesus yeah. Christ. well not only did they want to, her to get pregnant with truman this brings us to a deleted scene they wanted to basically create a baby and then two versions of the truman show truman's oh show God. and truman's son's show uh let me play this clip i don't have to tell you how critical these next few weeks will be This takes us into the next generation. When the child is born, the network will be switching over to a two-channel format to chronicle both lives. What happens when Truman and the baby are both on camera together? There will simply be duplicate coverage. Let's just hope we don't have twins. So when Truman dies, we go back to the single channel format, right? That will be all. Thank you. The most disturbing part of that clip for me is Marlon at the end saying, oh, okay, so when Truman dies, we just go back to one uh, network showing. So casually. This is the guy he's pretended to be best friends with for decades. And he's like, okay, so yeah, when Truman dies, what are we doing? And like knowing he'll be around still when Truman dies is very sad and disturbing. Yeah, I mean, they were ready to kill him in front of a live audience for the sake of television. I love that line. It's like he was yeah. born. Ed Harris is so good in this. Nominated for an Oscar for this performance. I I don't Jim Carrey wasn't nominated and I and I don't think that's right that Ed Harris was and Jim Carrey wasn't. To be fair, you I feel like normally the supporting category 
is maybe a little bit easier to get into, especially with like, especially like I'm I'm just surprised to hear Ed Harris was nominated. Like this doesn't seem like to me the type of film that would get Oscar noms. So the fact that he was, um, yeah, which I think is great. And also, like, I think his character is so interesting in the way that he, like, uh, on our rewatch, the scene where he's just, like, watching Truman sleep and starts, like, Mm -hmm. petting his nose really struck out to me. Like, he really has this weird god complex, even at the very end of the movie, when Truman says, who are you? And he says, I'm the creator, pause, of a TV show. (laughs) But he's, he's calling himself the creator, and he is technically Truman's creator. He's orchestrated every single thing that's happened in his life. Um... So where do you go then, to now? You know what comes to mind is the scene where Truman and Marlon are on the beach watching the sunset, and Truman makes a comment mm-hmm. about how beautiful it is, and is like, "All oh, thanks to the big man upstairs" or something. Marlon says no, I that. I think Mar. I think Marlon but says that. Still, like, yeah. Because then, because I, I think I remember him saying that. Because then I was like, yeah. "Oh my gosh, Marlon, Which, you know who's you know, doing that?" People, you know, refer to God as the big man upstairs but to literally be a guy who's like his office is in the fucking moon of this dome um (laughs) it's just so interesting and and when they say it in the film is before you know of what's going on um Mm -hmm. so i didn't know Kay. only you knew okay i have a question about that seen it before (laughs) well so when i first was told about the truman show in high school it was like oh you should watch this movie it's very interesting has a cool twist don't get spoiled on it and then being a person of, you know, the world in 2023, obviously I knew the premise of The Truman Show was that it's a show. But they start the movie off telling you that it's a show. So I'm confused and I'm curious if any of our listeners have had the same experience where, like, they were told that The Truman Show has a twist in it. I wouldn't say The Truman Show has a twist in it. They, they tell you from the beginning what's going on. Yeah, I... It's tough because I actually, I really didn't know what to expect too much. I I really avoided I think any kind of spoilers and I, and I would say actually, um, I I recommended it to a friend and I didn't want to give away any spoilers. I I do think to a certain extent there there is a twist. I knew the film was had some sort of like metaphysical aspect to it some kind of existentialism um and so when they open with like saying like everything here what you see is real but everything you know is controlled it i i think the twist is actually seeing how it is revealed and played out right like that they're living like in this manufactured space and all of these people are actors and it's this giant production because when i when it opened by saying like everything you see here is real and like the opening credits are like credits like truman burbank are truman burbank yes so like for that i thought we were gonna start to enter like some kind of almost like three-dimensional aspect of the film where it's like you're watching the movie in the movie is the TV show like you're like you're in it almost that kind of aspect to it but but it, it really does feel like that especially with the way they cut in with the news like you don't really like you kind of see what's going on but then the way after they show the dad reveal and then they cut in with the news coverage of like here the first like that that's when you get your exposition dump of like you can see this dome from space and this is how everything works yeah. and blah, 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 where like you kind of knew what was going on but they didn't spell it out for you yes. and then you get your exposition dump exactly when you need it i think Ugh, this is a great movie yeah i think one of like the the first like moments of realization is there or two of them right is when when you see the real life audience for the first time mm-hmm. right and then also when you probably see ed harris for when you see ed harris in studio for the first time not because he's like in the very first scene of the film but when you see him in studio for the first time those those are two moments of realization it, going back to my my further point of like i thought like we were gonna be the audience of the show or like i wasn't mm-hmm. expecting there to be a a separate audience that is living in this world and you know not not necessarily our own so that was i think part of part of the twist it was really more it wasn't a huge twist it was more about just like discovery of like how is this yeah. going to play out 
Yeah, I don't know. I'm just curious why. I, like, I was genuine. I thought there was a twist to the point where, like, whenever anyone would even bring up Truman Show, I would, like, kind of shut down because I'd be like, oh, I don't want to be spoiled on it. Mm. But now that I've watched the movie, as the most spoiler-phobic person in the world, I'm like, how could I have been spoiled on it? Like, it tells you, so. I, I think I think you could still be. I think you could be spoiled yeah. about the, I mean, in, everything the could be intricacies spoiled. about it. Yeah. about uh, you know how the script was developed and how much was changed from the first draft you know the first draft was a lot more depressing here's a a direct quote from an atlantic article uh the script's early version was set in new york city rather than living a life of synthetic ease truman struggled he had a drinking problem he cheated on his wife in a pivotal scene while he was riding the subway he witnessed an assault and as the cameras rolled failed to intervene when Peter Weir signed on to direct the film, he asked for a change in course and in tone. He thought the movie should be, or at least look like, a comedy. Weir and Nickel reworked the script together, relocating the Truman Show to the seemingly idyllic island of Sea Haven and remarking, and remaking Truman as a man who was per, pre naturally positive. Prenaturally? Is that a word? Sure. Prenaturally. I, I guess. Preternaturally? Okay, sorry. I sounded stupid at the end, but hopefully the rest of it made sense to y'all. <laughs> Um, I mean, obviously a show about, like, an alcoholic in New York. First of all, recreating a new New York City would be a lot more expensive than recreating a Sea Haven, you know, island town. So the, most of the filming took place in Florida in a town called Seaside, Florida. And Seaside, Florida is a master planned community, which means that before any of the town was built, it was meticulously planned out from the houses to the roads to the community buildings everything about it was planned and then built on unoccupied land and then people moved in which i kind of was like sounds like the perfect that's perfect for this movie to be because like since they constructed this dome it's like yeah they found a place to film where it is like kind of has the same feeling as it as the movie you know where it's like yeah this town was like everything was planned to the t for this town and it's just like um, like plopped like right like when you see an aerial view it looks like it's just like plopped down like there's nothing yeah sort of in the vicinity yeah and then and then the the really fun fact i actually don't know if this is that fun but um the house that they used as truman's house is actually a real house in seaside florida and it's owned by matt gates's family oh god <laughs> ew i know ew so but also just that's it just also makes me think of like imagine a fucking imagine a life where you're 30 years old and you've never left your town you've never left i know i would go crazy and then like he's just trying so hard to leave and everything goes wrong i also we me and Shruti laughed a lot at, like when he goes to the travel agency <laughs> and it's the poster in the back of a plane getting yeah. struck by lightning it's like this could happen to you <laughs> the way they keep him from leaving is so so funny but also just the way they've constructed this town that they think is quote unquote idyllic right like this is the first um few lines of the shooting script wearing a business suit briefcase in hand truman emerges from the pleasant victorian inspired picket fence house into an idyllic suburban street of similarly picturesque homes truman exchanges a nod with the washington's an african-american family across the street mission mr washington is farewelled by his wife and child and that First of all, that's the only note in the script of noting a black character. And you can tell that other than that nice couple across the street, the only other black character in the script is um, the bus driver. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's like literally making this town not diverse, not not even like including it's all these like white picket fences. And like it's very interesting to see like this is. Peter, I don't think this is Peter we're being racist. I think this is Peter we're making commentary, a commentary yeah. on what the idyllic land will be for what viewers want to see. Not even that, but maybe it's also commentary on just like the race issue in Hollywood and diversity and lack of diversity, especially like late 90s. Yeah, like Hollywood was not doing well at all when it came to making diverse programming yeah so i mean i I, well i also think right it's it could also just be a commentary on regular everyday people and sort of the effect that living in a shell has on you right when you don't live in diverse communities um Mm -hmm. 
right? Like, I, I think we all know people that you could totally tell that where they went to high school is probably 99% white. Like, you can tell those kind of people, right? Diversity opens up your mind. It opens uh, your worldview to different points of view. Um, mm-hmm. and, and just so, like, this idea of if, if you had to create a scenario where you could dupe a guy and and shade and keep him away from reality, you would probably create one in which the world around him is very reflective of his own background. Okay, so this movie ends on a very like cliffhangery like oh what will kind of happen to Truman now now that he's out of the dome um and so I'm sure like what was on my mind and I'm sure on your minds too is like yeah like what happens would there ever be a sequel so I'm just curious like if you guys could construct like the perfect sequel for like what you would want out of it what would you like to see happen to Truman or just like in general like any kind of sequel it doesn't have to be about Truman either I suppose my sequel would be one where they start another reality TV show, except this one is more similar to reality TV shows as we know them in real life, where he is aware that he's on a reality TV show. Um, But it's basically the same thing, and it's about, you know, they follow him around and it's him like getting integrated into into reality Ooh. almost like almost like those shows those reality shows where like an Amish person goes into yeah, like breaking Amish, breaking Amish. <laughs> it, yeah kind of like breaking Amish but breaking Truman that's I think that would be my sequel breaking Truman <laughs> that would be a great show I would watch that <laughs> um yeah I mean I think the beauty of the ending again is that you don't see what happens in Truman's life afterwards so if there were to be a sequel I would want it to be more about that network and like what they knew next and like um you know, I think it's really interesting that they're like, oh, we're 24-7, we don't have ads, we do all of our ads through, um, you know, product placement, which is something Netflix has said, we don't do ads, and now Netflix is doing ads. So, like, how this fictional studio decides to adapt to next, I think would be, like, a great commentary on, like, how streamers are, about, are adapting to, like, needing ad-supported services and realizing that subscription streaming is not the way to make billions of dollars. Like they thought they did. <laughs> I want to see what happened to Truman. I want a sequel where it's like him in the real world like a year later and he's just like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, I don't know how to live a real he's life. He's like, you know what? I'll go back. It's and then funny. I want to see like him dating Sylvia, but it's like not going well maybe because he doesn't know how to have an actual real relationship where the other person's not an actor. And I just want to see him like struggling. Yeah, just struggling in the real world and then maybe like – questioning like wait maybe I did have it good in there and maybe like even meeting up with like Kristoff again who's now like disgraced or something because his show ended the way it did and hey maybe they have like a conversation maybe, you know maybe Eternal Sunshine is the sequel and that's why he wants <laughs> all his like memories wiped because he was on the Truman Show. Because he just well maybe because he wants to go back. He doesn't want to remember the this real world. I'm gonna read to you guys an actual sequel that the screenwriter Andrew Nichol has like pitched basically. So he said, "There's been talk of doing a musical, believe it or not, or a series. When it's a different art form, I don't think it takes anything away from the original. In my version of a series, I thought it would be fun if after Truman walked through the sky." The audience clamored for more, which you sense at the end of the film. I imagine there would be a network with multiple channels, all starring a subject born on the show. If I said it in New York City, there would be a girl living on the Upper East Side, a boy from Harlem, a kid from Chinatown, etc. Since they are all on their own channel and move in their own circles, they are never meant to meet. But at the end of the first season, the boy from Harlem and the rich girl from find themselves drawn to each other. They both sense that the other is acting differently from anyone they've ever met because for the first time they've met someone who is not acting. In the second season, the network would desperately try to kill off this romance. Um, what I like about 
this quote is that it acknowledges that the writers know that like you wouldn't actually fall in love by looking at each other from across the room but it's like this whole oh this person is being real in a world where everyone else is acting and that's what you know unites Truman to this extra that is, ends up being real with him in this movie and that's what will reunite these two characters in the sequel series which I don't think should happen but I can understand uh, that attraction other than just like stupid love at first sight love mm. <laughs> um the reason I don't like this idea though is I think it's just like it doesn't work for my like when I watch films I know that they're films but sometimes I get annoyed by the lack of logic sometimes in stuff and I think what would bother me if this is okay so you're telling me that the entire city of New York no they would is- make a new New York City Really? Because he just says it's set in New York. Well, just because the original script was also set in New York, I would assume that they would generate a new New York. I But how do they get, like, 8 million people for a show? Like, Well, they wouldn't. They would just, like, do loops and stuff like that. Like, the original Truman Show was supposed to be in New York City. And <sighs> in that world, right, they would have built, just like they built the Dome and Sea Haven. That's just so much harder. I don't then know. controlling all of New York City. Wait, but then why would they, why would they even want these people in the same area if they can find each other and find out that well like, they would track them with cameras i don't know and they like write they've written plot right so like they've written truman's meet cute with meryl etc cetera, etc cetera. so in the series they would also write their plot lines and where they go and who they interact with like they until the end of the season one finale when these two characters meet they definitely said oh we would build a new new york like in the old scripts just just if we're if we're looking at how the Truman show was developed in that they built this backlog of Sea Haven, I would but assume like, that they were sea also Haven planning on building. Sea Haven is so easy. Like New York is like so you're going to tell me that for one show you're going to build a comprehensive okay, subway the, line. The premise of the show is that everyone is an actor except for Truman. So if you put it in real New York City, you would no longer have that premise. That's what I'm saying, but how are they going to build a new New York like then you have to have, like, subways and buses. Well, and, that's like... why they ended up doing Sea Haven. See, I, see, when you were first describing it, saying they were thinking about it's New th- York. It seemed like actual New York. I thought it was actual New York, and I'll tell you why the reason I thought that. Because they were, like, is, listing the neighborhoods. Is, well, I thought that, you know, potentially you could still have this reality, you know, of the, I mean, maybe not all the button cams, but you could still have, like, people <laughs> going around filming him, or you could have cameras throughout new york city that are watching it and maybe maybe the sort of unfiltered reality and the natural occurrence of things is why his character turns out to be so much darker than it is in the truman show right that that he's a cheater and that he's um an alcoholic and and all of these things i i don't really Mm -hmm. know i but I also feel like that know. would be the wrong path to go down because it can't work. You have, have to you have to have sympathy like, for him, him as well. Yeah. As a character. Also, you'd have like you could literally have people like if it was actually set in New York, you're gonna have people who like are activists against the show who are just gonna like, oh, okay, he's on the Upper East Side, I'm gonna go find him and yell at him. This is not real. Okay, so you that know? that exactly. actually that actually raises a question for me, right? And maybe this is would be better saved for if we like talk about nitpicking later on. But like a thought of mine between you know, the the people that snuck in, like the guy in the mm-hmm. Christmas box, or even like his dad, right? His dad coming back 20-some-odd years later from, quote-unquote, dying. And Ed Harris is like, yeah, we think he was mad about the way he was killed off and wanted to come back on or whatever. How does this security in this dome work that <laughs> these people are just know, fucking sneaking seriously. into this giant world that that they've created I, I, that kind of I mean they're obviously not on top of it just purely yeah. with the way everything unravels yes. for Truman when we meet him like yeah. you're, I'm like oh you guys are bad at covering things up yeah no that's fair I will say another thought um going back to sequels sorry I'm all over the place here but I I already envisioned how the first shot of my of my sequel would look right we oh, we start the film right where we left off Truman walking through the door. On the other side, a live studio audience breaks into applause. Like you ever watch Big Brother when they like walk out of the house? Like that's how. Oh, (laughs) sorry. Well, when they get voted (laughs) off, they walk out of the Big Brother house, and there's a live studio audience there that starts like clapping and cheering for them. And so that's how I would open my film. He's like adding a whole new layer to this this show within a show that there's people on the other side of the wall 
covering this movie because The Truman Show is on the list of Greta Gerwig's official Barbie watch list, and we'll get into the other movies that are on Greta Gerwig's Barbie watch list, but she did explain a little bit on why she decided to uh, list The Truman Show, and here's a clip of why she decided to list The Truman Show. In Truman Show, of course, because yes. Truman Show I, is amazing. I was going to ask, because that's the most modern movie on yes. your list as well, which yeah. I, I appreciated your going back yes. into the classics. Well, yeah, and I had to include Truman Show both because I watched it again before I made this movie and because Peter Weir very generously got mm -hmm. on the phone with me before I started shooting and he talked to me for a long time about how he shot it and how they made it work and he, they shot it actually outside but they hung lights so it would feel like it was in a studio and he told me mm -hmm. I don't suggest that it was very hot <laughs> um, so anyway those are all the those are all the things okay so see my issue with it is in the explanation to me, there's really not that much of a tie back to Barbie itself, right? And I and I think like you can. Do you know the premise of Barbie? Have you seen the trailer? I feel like she didn't need to explain it. If you've seen the trailer, you know why the Truman Show is on that list. Yeah, no, exactly. And that's my point. Okay, I've seen the trailer, okay. and I think it is it is obvious. But like when they say, "Oh, why is the Truman Show on the watch list?" and she's like, "Because I spoke to Peter Weir and he talked about lighting outside, shooting outside." Who gives a fuck? That's that's not why it's on the watch list. This is why you should have watched the interview instead of reading it. Well, like, clearly Barbie is, like, a manufactured town, and she has to, like, escape it and figure out the real world. Like, that's so Truman Show. I know. Um, why isn't that in the interview? Because it's obvious. It's obvious, Michael. Maybe it's not obvious for you, but it's obvious for us. And also it comes in, like, 12 minutes into the interview when she's been talking about all of these other references. So Truman Show at that point is definitely super obvious. So she just gives a quick anecdote about the interview she had with the director of the Truman Show. And I think it's also insightful. And I don't understand why you're being such a hater. Because this, this list is half-assed. Explain the Godfather. To... Explain the Godfather one to me. Um, On the Greta Gerwig front i will take no hate towards greta gerwig and if you do watch this full 15 minute interview she did with letterbox talking about her inspirations you can just tell this is a person who like really studies art and filmmaking and has all of these references and inspiration and i think she's i think she's gonna do a great job with this movie i'm very excited about barbie and i think she just knows like it's really funny to me to look at the way Barbie was created, right? That Mattel was basically like, we want to make adults play with our toys, so we're going to make a movie about it. And they hit the jackpot by getting Greta Gerwig to instead of just like make a movie for adults about Barbie, make a movie that I think people are going to flip over about Barbie because Greta Gerwig has put so much more thought into it than just like an adult movie about Barbie and with a Truman Show-esque concept. Like, I know all of this about Barbie, and yeah, I'm so, so excited about it because of all the thought and care I can tell Greta Gerwig put into this movie. I mean, the Barbie sleepovers, they literally had, like, sleepovers where they all got together and watched these movies of references and then had sleepovers together. Like the animated Barbie movies, maybe? I'm oh, sorry. no, I thought they were watching these reference movies, but maybe they are watching the animated Barbie Oh, my movies. God, they should have been watching. <laughs> also, you know what's, like, one of the funniest shows in the world? Barbie's Dream House on Netflix. Everyone give it a watch. What about, you're going to hate this, what about the 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 argument that Barbie is a, a Trojan horse for 50 fucking films of IP to be shoved down our throat now. Oh yeah. Mattel. So if, if you have not seen this article, Mattel now has like another 50 features in development. Uh, there's a Barney movie with Daniel Kaluuya attached. Um, there's all of these different things. It, it, we're, we're living in a weird time where like you can only make, successful content like this when they're attached to like stupid ip like at the end of the day i never cared about a barbie doll a barbie is i'm not going to this movie because you i care about barbie id play with barbies as a kid i had barbies but like as a 25 year old girl if somebody else was making a barbie movie i wouldn't go see it i'm going to see this movie because it's a greta gerwig movie not because um, it's about barbie does, does shreya listen to our podcast when she's not on it Honestly, I don't think so. Shreya, if you're listening, when I was a kid... She also hasn't seen the Truman Show. Shreya, when, if you're listening, I had a Barbie as a kid that was... Um, Barbie wants to be a Celtics player, and she was in a Celtics jersey. Aww. I just thought you should know that. She's not going to listen to this, but she would love that. <laughs> but no, I do think... I don't want to nitpick Greta Gerwig. It is a great list. I particularly am fascinated by um, Heaven Can Wait, which is... I think a very underrated film. I would highly recommend it. 
um, with Warren Beatty, and it's this very existential film where uh, he dies and goes to heaven, but he wasn't supposed to die, so then he comes back. It's very interesting. Um, I've seen that. I like that movie a lot. Yeah, isn't it great? Um, yes. And also Singing in the Rain, one of my all-time favorite films. I totally, totally see the connection. But what is it? <laughs> I, huh? Singing in the rain. Just all, all of no, them. not what is singing in the rain. Yeah. What's the connection? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think really, I mean, on the surface level, just all of, um, you know, all of the choreography that is that goes ah. into both films. But then maybe on a deeper level, um, you know, the idea of the the stars in singing in the rain having to transition from. Uh, silent films to talkies and and sort of breaking out of that shell and you have one sort of like fading actress uh being replaced by by a newcomer i think could also maybe play into sort of the existential dread of barbie a a bit facing a new reality um so i thought that was that was interesting as well that being said i don't know just parts of the list it just felt like, oh, yeah, this is on here because it's one of my favorites. It's like, it's an inspiration. There wasn't really, like, again, The Godfather. I'm sorry, but, like, the tie back to The Godfather can't just be like, oh, The Godfather's on this list because it's an example of Francis Ford and Robert Altman uh, or Robert Town using their uh, aesthetic. Like, what are you talking about? Uh, there's 33 movies on this list, and she had 15 minutes, so... Actually, it was less than 15 minutes. I okay. think it was 13 minutes and 50 seconds. So cut her a break. And the if Godfather you want, is one of if the... If you want that much of Greta Gerwig's time to go into why she, The Godfather is an inspiration for you, you should be so lucky. <laughs> okay. Sorry. And I meant Robert Evans, by the way. But still, you're going to relate Barbie to one of the greatest films of all time and then not explain how. I Sorry. Um, maybe there's... there's She probably did explain how. You should have beef with Letterboxd for cutting it short than Greta Gerwig. I think your beef is with Letterboxd. My beef... No, my beef's really with the interviewer. Because his question... <laughs> his question was, it's obvious... It's a woman! Oh my god! Which, which, which comes to the... Okay, sorry. Which we've made several times in this podcast that Michael hates women. I read it, the interview. I didn't watch it. But the interview said, it's obvious why you chose The Godfather. I What's think you would have enjoyed it a lot more if you watched it Probably. instead of reading it because Greta Gerwig is just such a charismatic soul. Like I, I could listen to her talk about movies for hours. I read it so I could I could relate back to it so I could read the script. Guys, I feel like the kid when my parents are fighting <sighs> and it's just like the same argument over and over and over it is again. It having an incredibly stupid argument. The argument is literally why didn't Greta Gerwig talk more about The Godfather? Yeah. And the answer is just it was edited out. <laughs> Mom, Dad, stop fighting. No, my argument is that I, I think some of these films are great examples for a watch list, and some of them I just don't understand. And maybe we will see when we all go see Barbie this Perhaps. Weekend. On that note, let's wrap things up. Unless it's it's a horrible note. <laughs> I sound like an asshole. <laughs> you are an asshole. <laughs> Good. Do you have any Barbie long-term bets? Oh, my God. Um... Do you think it? Uh, 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 do you think it'll get any acting Oscar nominations? I do not. No, I think Margot no. Robbie gets one. Maybe. I think she does. I have a. She didn't get one for Babylon, which was a better. I mean, I haven't seen Barbie, but it was a great performance and a more of an Oscar-y movie. Yeah, but so, Babylon's people hate it. Babylon sucks. <laughs> I have a bet that I think that on screen barbie will look directly in the camera and go shruti mrate you should not bet on things stop betting 2023 all right if she does that i will (laughs) (laughs) but if she doesn't then i get to make as many bets as i want for the rest of my life you call greta gerwig right now you say you gotta recut that movie (laughs) maybe maybe they will will she or will she not directly mention the godfather in the film no will she make will she make a reference will she pick up a cat Wait, here's my bet. I actually have a serious one. Okay. Will Ken end up being evil? No. Which Ken? I think Ken, like Ryan Gosling Ken. I think think Ryan Gosling Ken has to be a himbo. I think Ryan Gosling Ken is going to act like a himbo the whole movie, and then in the end you're going to find out who's actually evil. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, Will they break the fourth wall in this movie? Yes. Mm, Yes. yes. I'll bet no. Okay. Okay. 
All right, we got a good we got a good chunk of bets in. Can we wrap things up now? Yeah, please. Yeah. <laughs> on that note, thank you for tuning into this week's episode of Chaos on the Set. We are so excited for Barbenheimer weekend, and we hope you are getting pumped too. Uh, make sure you tweet us all of your thoughts on both Truman Show and Barbie and Oppenheimer. Uh, before then, let's tell you where we can find us on the internet. Mike, why don't you go first? You can't find me anywhere because people are going to be coming at me with this bullshit <laughs> Greta Gerwig hate. For, for you know, I I think very reasonable sort of. Uh, I don't think complaints. it's reasonable at I all. I think it you're is. mad at editing. I'm mad at she the I'm mad at the wrong. interview. Okay, Kate. Kate is booking her Barbie tickets as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> I had no. I already had some. Let the record say I already had yeah. them. I wouldn't be friends with Kate if by July the sixteenth she didn't have. I had I had I had a Burbank one, but then I don't think my car is gonna be here in time for that, so I'm booking one at the Grove instead, so I can just like Uber there or something. So see, the um, great thing yeah. about being in Syracuse, I don't have to book mine yet. <laughs> um, you can find me at Kate underscore Wyatt on Twitter. I also have a letterbox that I use very frequently, oh, but Michael Michael <laughs> Michael said I'm not allowed to use it. Or he will drown me in the ocean. That's one wasn't that good this week. Sorry. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Micromarate. You can follow me on Letterboxd at Shruti Marate. I have a lot of films I still need to log, but I'm excited about all of the movies that are in my past and in my future. And you can follow the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. It is at Chaos on the Set.